make it do it makes us you know we're looking at older bigger faster stronger type guys Hunter, better, faster, stronger. we're searching high and low for some kids that can help fill a void power, power, never. just just keep building brick by brick Future definitely is bright. There's the horn of Fighting Phoenix packed up the University of California. Golden Bears, the Fighting Phoenix move on to round two of the NCAA tournament. The Green Bay Phoenix Lynn basketball team, your Horizon League champions here in 2013-14. The Green Bay Phoenix are going to the NCAA tournament. Hello everybody, Brian Dickman here with you once again for another episode of the Fear the Phoenix podcast. Hope you're having a good summer and able to get outside and enjoy the weather a little bit. I'm joined on the podcast as usual by my co-host and the star of the show really, it's Jim Saro. Jim, how are you doing today? I'm, I was doing really good until I got all this pressure on my shoulders with the star of the show comments uh, <laughs> prior to that. I was nursing a beer, ready to talk Phoenix basketball, so all was right in my world. Yeah, you know, I got to keep keep you on your toes. A little pressure is a good thing, but uh, it's good to talk to you. It's been a while. Are you having a good summer so far? Yeah, I'm uh, having a great summer. Thanks for asking. I'm uh, working on getting rid of my slice so that I'm ready for the Phoenix uh, golf outing in a couple of weeks and uh, do my part to uh, help my scramble team not finish last. <laughs> what about you, Brian? You doing well? Yeah, doing all right. Um, you know, for my slice, I just aim way left, and that seems to work for me. Uh, uh, you know, except for the few times where it actually does go straight. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how many golf balls I can lose in a couple of weeks at the uh, the golf outing. But uh, so speaking of summer, uh, the Green Bay Phoenix men's basketball team started their summer workouts a few weeks ago meaning the preparation for the 2022-23 season is officially underway. And with all the off-season activity, we thought it would be a good idea to just kind of you know, take a look at how the roster stands today, maybe go through position by position, kind of talk about the new guys. Um, you know, now keep in mind, we're not really going to be making playing time predictions, uh, you know, rotation predictions, depth chart, anything like that, really, at this stage of the game. Uh, at least I'm not, Jim. I, I don't know about you. We don't really prepare, so maybe you are <laughs> prepared to do those things today. Well, Brian, let me uh, uncrumple all my notes here because you just threw them. You made them all totally worthless of what you said we're going to talk about. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll wing it. How about that? Yeah, perfect. Uh, yeah, so just thought this would be like a helpful exercise to kind of talk through what the squad's going to look like, uh, especially with, with you know, a lot of new faces, I think nine or ten new guys. But uh, before we do that, Jim, the last time we recorded was, gosh, a little over two months ago, uh, and that was our conversation with UW-Green Bay Athletic Director Josh Moon, 
So for anyone listening, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, you should definitely go back and take a listen because uh, I thought it was really fun, worthwhile conversation. Pretty cool to get to talk to the leader of the athletics program. But um, anyway, before that time, the last time we recorded Jim was way back in mid-March. Uh, and there's been a few roster changes since then. So I uh, just kind of want to quickly recap the guys that are leaving and, and where they're um, heading off to before we get into the current roster. Um, really don't want to spend too much time on this. but um, So if you go back to last season, Green Bay had, I believe it was 14 guys on the roster. You had Blayton Williams and Donovan Moore. Um, they left at the semester break uh, back in December. Blayton's off to Mississippi College, and uh, Donovan Moore is off to Lindenwood. Both are Division II schools, at least for the time being. Uh, Lindenwood will be making the jump to Division I here in the next few days, actually, heading to the Ohio Valley Conference. Uh, Donovan Ivory was dismissed from the program back in January. His new home will be Southern Mississippi. Um, and then after the season, there were, I believe it was seven guys entered the transfer portal. Um, and four of those seven have found a new, new home so far. Japana Kellogg heading to Albany. Lucas Steber heading to Gardner-Webb. Ryan Claflin is heading to Division II Palm Beach at Atlantic. And, of course, Kamari McGee heading to UW-Madison. So as of this recording, Manny Ansong, Tutu Majak, and Jem Kirchiman still in limbo in the transfer portal. And then, uh, of course, Mitch Listow graduated from UW-Green Bay this spring and decided not to use his remaining seasons of eligibility um, and decided to call it a career. But uh, So a lot of movement there, Jim. Any kind of closing thoughts on any of the guys that left or where they ended up or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. Um, when you look at where everybody ended up, you've got a, a, an interesting mix, which is you've got five guys that are going to land in the D1 uh, world and then you've got uh, two guys that are going D2 and three guys that you know we're not certain about yet and it kind of speaks to maybe a little bit of you know where the team was in terms of overall you know depth of the type of players you need to win in the D1 level they did, you know they didn't have a team full of guys that ended up staying in D1 and uh, the only other thought I have on the world here of the guys that are remaining, like uh, with Manny Ansong still uh, in the portal, that must be his choosing. I'm thinking maybe he doesn't want to play or he doesn't just want to play anywhere uh, because he's obviously uh, good enough to continue playing and was a, a contributor for Green Bay for uh, the year and a half that he did play here. So that I'm surprised that he hasn't uh, announced where he's going yet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you kind of mentioned it, but you can make the argument that, you know, all of those guys, except for obviously Kamari, ended up at a lower level than Green Bay. Um, you know, not all. Obviously, if you look at teams like Albany or Gardner Webb, um, they probably did better. You know, the past couple seasons, according to Ken Palm or the Net. But if you look at like their conference ranking or or things like that, their program ranking, I would say Green Bay is a better program than every team on this list. Maybe maybe not Southern Mississippi, but. Um, just kind of something I thought was interesting. Um, the other thing is the roster is completely turned over now. So uh, no more Link Darner guys. It's all Will Ryan's roster. So just something to, uh, to, to you know, another talking point to um, you know kind of erased off the board, I guess you could say. Yeah, it's definitely good to, you know, have that 
you know, that talking point removed because it's uh, one of those things that it's better for the players. It's better for the coaches. It's better for the former coaches to not have uh, any of that lingering out there and just have the guys that are here because this is the program that they have chosen to be part of and not where they're trying to make it the best out of a, a tough situation, but rather we now have 14 guys on the roster that have looked at the, the way the team plays, the leaders of the team, and said, "Yeah, this is where I want to be." And so that's uh, that's that's a good thing, I, I believe. Yep, for sure. So let's talk about moving forward and the roster that's been put together for this season. Uh, you just touched on it. The roster currently stands at 14 players, um, 12 scholarship guys, and two walk-ons. And we just, I initially had assumed that Central Michigan transfer Ryan Wade was going to be a scholarship guy, but um, you know, I've had a, a couple different people point out to me, hey, he's on the roster, but they didn't release a statement or anything like that. So, um, you know, I, pretty, pretty, that makes me pretty sure that he's going to be walking on. So uh, with that being said, Green Bay does have a scholarship available if they'd like to use it. Uh, so I guess my first question, Jim, do you see them adding anyone else to the roster at this point? Uh, and, you know, going back a couple weeks ago, Will Ryan mentioned having 15 or 16 guys on the roster, I believe that was on the Hoop Nerds podcast. But, um, you know, we're sitting at 14. Do you think they do add another guy or two yet here? Well, I definitely think that, you know, if somebody surfaced that was, you know, a worthwhile, you know, addition to the program, they would they would add that person. I, I don't think that they're saying, hey, it's um, June 27th. Uh, sorry, but it's too late. But I don't necessarily think that they're out there pounding the pavement the same way that they were in March and April and May trying to find people. So it's got to be somebody that they're going to look at and say, yeah, this is this is somebody we really think is additive to what we're doing. Um, I also think that you're probably more likely to see if they do make any additions, uh, possibly uh, walk on players, you know, kind of fill out that practice squad a little bit more. Like when he said 15, 16 people. Uh, you know, you can only have 13 on scholarship. So he was thinking, you know, two, three walk-ons, maybe four walk-ons. And right now it looks like they only have two so far. So it probably seems likely if they could find some people that would, you know, like to have a make good opportunity that they would add them uh, before adding maybe a scholarship player. Yeah, really trying to emulate the uh, Cleveland States of the past couple of years where they've just got like, it feels like they've got like 30 guys on the bench. <laughs> but yeah, it feels like, they kind of got burned last year only they couldn't even go five on five a few times. So, um, yeah, they definitely want to get a few more guys in there just for practice purposes and whatnot. So, um, so let's talk about the guys that they do have. And I thought we'd start with the bigs. Um, you know, seems like that's going to be a little bit more straightforward, um, at least on paper with, with how things are going to shake out in the front court. Obviously Cade Meyer, uh, the returning the lone returning big man, I think he's pretty much a lock to start in that that uh, stretch four spot. But as far as the newcomers, um, incoming freshman Donovan Short, six foot ten inch big man, comes with a lot of hype. Three star recruit. Um, I don't like saying this, but it, it's a fact. He was the highest rated player to ever rec- commit to Green Bay with, when he uh, you know announced his commitment. But uh, I do think he's going to be given plenty of opportunity to live up to that hype this season. Uh, in my mind, he's almost certainly going to slot right into that starting five role. And he brings inside scoring. He'll be able to step out, you know, bring some outside scoring. 
He'll bring rim, rim protection, rebounding on the defensive end, and Jim, he's just a guy I'm really excited about. Yeah, I mean, when you think about uh, Donovan, you know, joining the team, you're talking about a guy that, um, you know, can do a little driving, like, you know, he likes to go with his right hand, try to get to the hoop. You're talking about a guy that um, if his defender helps off of him, uh, he's going to be wide open and can bury jumpers. Uh, You're talking about just overall size and length that can impact things on defense and on the glass. Uh, But he's pretty coordinated, pretty skilled. You know, he's probably a guy that needs to, you know, build up his lower body strength a little bit more, but overall, you know, you're talking an 18 year old young man that's going to come in and even if he's not starting, he's going to be playing and, you know, he's going to have an opportunity to make a major impact on the program right away. But when you pair him with a Cade Meyer, he doesn't have to be the man right away. And I think that's going to be perfect for his development that you already have one guy that's in that front court that, you know, is an all conference level player. And now it's like, okay, pick your poison. Who do you want to stop? Like two years ago, did you want to stop Grant Basile or did you want to stop loud and love? No, I'm not saying those guys are at that level, but that's where this is, you know, trying to trend to and get to. And uh, I'm really excited for Donovan to be in the program. Yeah, for sure. So then two other newcomers in the front court, uh, Hawaii transfer Brock Hefner and Racine case high school standout Amari Jedkins. Jedkins, is such a wild card for me, Jim. I mean, he really has this, um, you know, just incredible potential and raw athleticism, versatility. I'm pretty sure he can play, you know, the three through the five on the floor. Obviously, he's going to need to get stronger, but um, I, I really like what he could potentially bring to the table down the line. Yeah, Jedkins is a guy that it's really hard to project where he's going to come in because, you know, height-wise, 6'8", that's good height in the Horizon League. Bulk-wise, 190-something pounds, uh, there's probably some work to do there. So that, you know, that length versus bulk will maybe determine where he plays. But, um, you know, he's just one of those guys that, you know, plays with a you know, a big motor. He makes plays by being super active. He's not like a back to the back post player per se, but he's this guy that is around the rim, finishing, cleaning up, getting lobs. Um, he's got a little range on his jumper, which is really nice. I mean, you know, something that I think about in the Will Ryan offense, and this is uh, not knocking guys that were here in the past, but you know, in uh, you know some of the action that you'd have, you're going to have a big guy standing, you know, on on the uh, lane extended to the three point line with the ball often, and that guy needs to be able to go off the dribble or be able to catch and shoot. And Jenkins can do both those things, and that's something like Cade Meyer was really good at driving and spinning and getting to the hoop, and uh, Jenkins is another guy just like Cade that can attack off the dribble and spin into the lane and finish. So a uh, very interesting prospect for sure, and uh, somebody that I, you know most of us don't know a ton about, but when you watch them, you're like, okay, I can see what they're doing. And then because you have Cade and you have a couple of other depth pieces, you don't need Amari Jenkins to come in as a freshman and be an all-conference level player. You have a guy that you know can take a little bit of time to get get himself together and uh, make a big impact in the years to come. Yeah, um, I'm going to read uh, Mark Miller, who writes for Wisports.net. His um, scouting report on Jedkins says, Jedkins possesses as much potential as about any other player in the 2022 class and the athletic forward flashes that upside in nearly every contest, finding consistency in his effort and productivity is the next step in his progression. So kind of like you said, um, 
he's not going to come in and be asked to set the world on fire. He can kind of um, grow at his own pace and um, excited to see what the future looks like for him. You know, something about Jack Kent, real quick, Brian, there's a, on YouTube, there's a little highlight of Wistosha Central versus uh, Racine Case playing. It's like a 15-minute clip of most of the scoring plays in that game. And uh, when when it starts out, like, Jedkins isn't really, like, in the video. And by the end of the video, he's everywhere in the video. And it's chronological in the way the video is, you know, put together. But what stood out to me about that is he's just a guy that just kept playing hard the whole game. And so... You know, I have a tremendous amount of respect and appreciation for that. You know, just keep on going, keep grinding at it. And, um, you know, if he does that, he'll probably make a bigger impact sooner rather than later. Yeah. So moving on, I'm a little biased, but I think uh, Grafton native Brock Hefner is a really nice addition to the program. Uh, you know, people from Grafton were, were just winners. Uh, <laughs> I was born and raised in Grafton, so... Like I said, I'm a little biased, but um, he's another big with versatility. He can probably play the three through the five as well. Another good size at six eight. Um, can step out and shoot threes. Um, I, I think he he's you know an upgrade over Jem Kirchman, quite honestly. And I think he's probably going to slot into that role that Jem played last year. Maybe a little bit bigger role than that actually, but. Um, you know, he'll he'll look pretty good playing next to whether it's Meyer or Short in there next to him. Um, just kind of curious to get your thoughts on on Brock Hefner. Yeah, with Brock, you know, if you think about it, he could probably play alongside Cade or alongside Short. So you've got a really nice three-man rotation up front, which is great. Uh, a lot like Kirchman, I, I think he's got really good court vision. Like, you know, he's you know showed the ability to find open guys. It's not just about, you know, putting his head down and scoring. Uh, he has some range up to the three-point line. Again, that was a, a huge bugaboo for the Phoenix last year was being able to, to make three-pointers. And then in particular, you know, none of their bigs can make any three-pointers, uh, which in today's game of, you know, spacing the court, bigs have to be able to make threes. And uh, some of the guys we had on the team last year couldn't do that. So Brock's going to be able to do that. Uh, this guy just explodes out of his shoes when he you know gets a little ahead of steam going to the rim. Uh, he's definitely a feisty player. Doesn't back down. Plays hard. Um, and then, you know, you gotta give extra bonus points for having the sweetest hair on the team. So uh, <laughs> he does. I'm pretty much. Uh, I don't want to say that Brock Hefner is my favorite player, but Brock Hefner might be my favorite player on the team. <laughs> At least watching videos. <laughs> yeah, he's got that. He's got that Morgan Wallen hair going for him, uh, <laughs> for sure. But um, yeah, I'll just add that. Grafton is the key to championships. Just ask Wright State. They've got Brock Hefner's high school teammate, Alex Hubrist. He's been there two years. Wright State has won a regular season title and a conference tournament title. So I'm just throwing it out there. Um, let's see if we can uh, get Michael McNabb from, Graf from, uh, from Grafton as well. But uh, anything else to add on the bigs, Jim? Uh, you know, the only other guy I classified as a big was uh, Zane Short. Um, I don't know where you had him slotted in, but as a walk-on, I did have him uh, listed. At, you know, it's more of a, a big guy just because I haven't seen a tremendous ability to to shoot, even though he's um, you know shorter than the guys we've talked about so far. Um, but you know, one of the things I look at with Zane is just uh, a guy who's going to play, uh, you know, balls to the wall, super hard. Uh, who's going to be super encouraging to the other guys. Um, you know, kind of uh, if if he doesn't do anything else 
and just plays a Thanasis hype man role, he'll be <laughs> successful in Green Bay in my mind. And I don't mean that as a to diminish him at all. Like he just has the positivity, the energy, and uh, you know the the sibling, the love for his sibling. And I, I just I I welcome him to the team. I hope he uh, can bring something to the court. But just a guy that you know when he when he does get out there, he's gonna play hard, super hard. Yeah, Thanasis gets some of the biggest cheers, you know, of anybody on the roster. So I think that I don't think that anything's wrong with being in that Thanasis role. But um, but yeah, I actually had him as a wing, so I, I broke it down by bigs, wings, and guards. Um, but yeah, I I totally agree with you. Um, he's pretty much all, you know all you could ask for in a walk-on role. Going to give that effort, energy give a little morale boost. I think um, just a, a good guy to have in the locker room for sure. But um, so switching gears to the other wings, um, you know, obviously green Bay is probably going to play some three guard lineups, some, maybe some three big lineups even. So they're not always going to have a wing out on the floor, but um, I think it's fair to, to say Braden Daly and uh, Clarence Cummings would be considered wings, at least in my opinion. Um, you know, Daly is a guy that really looking forward to watching him, Jim, coming off of his redshirt season. So he's probably built up some muscle. I uh, just took a look. He's listed at 6'7", so he's got really good size, really good length, can score it a bunch of different ways. Uh, Will Ryan has said on multiple occasions he was the team's best shooter last season, which you kind of touched on it earlier, the bugaboo of of how badly this team needs shooters. Um so not really technically a newcomer, but someone that didn't play last season. So really looking forward to watching Braden Daly this season. Yeah, Braden, super long player, really high, you know, like it's that his shot as a high release point, like finish high and say goodbye. This guy is going to be uh, money uh, from outside. Of, I'm really looking forward to seeing him play. And, and he's got a surprising amount of bounce too. Like I think he is a, a kid that people look at and be like, you know, after he dunks on them, they might be like, where the hell did that come from? But uh, <laughs> I expect big things from Braden and uh, and Clarence. Uh, I I also classify him as a wing. And you know, when I'm looking at him, like I kind of think of like you know jack of all trades but master of none uh, type player. Like you know, when you look at the stats, um, you know, he's not like the best shooter in the world, but he's just a guy that does everything. Uh, you know, gets a board, can run the break, can find the open man, can you know when he's open with his feet set, he's gonna knock down a uh, shot. Uh, he's good at getting the break going. Um, as the season went along last year, he really improved. And, you know, when I look at a guy like that, like he's got some clips of making some really hard shots. And I'm almost thinking that, you know, if he just focuses on taking the really high quality ones, that his shooting percentages will be surprisingly higher for the Phoenix than they maybe were as Juco stop. Because, you know, when you have a lot of uh, one dribble pull-ups or, you know, step backs or whatever, uh, those are tough shots to make. And by just taking the stuff that, you know, is within the flow and ready to go, like, um, I think he might be even better than we're expecting. But I love his size. And, uh, you know, it's not going to get pushed around. Like, you know, this is a ready-made dude. He's not going to get pushed around by anybody. Um, you know, and I'm pretty excited to see what he can bring to the Phoenix roster when things get started here in November. Yeah, and it's a really interesting story on how he ended up in Green Bay. Apparently, coaches were watching uh, a different player, you know, on a, on the other team, and Clarence caught their eye, and you know, the rest is kind of history. 
Um, you know, he, like you said, he's a stat stuffer, does a little bit of everything, um, really a, a potential diamond in the rough kind of guy. So, um, yeah, he's played three years of Juco basketball already. He really fits that mold of wanting uh, the, the staff really wanting to bring in older, bigger guys. Um, so, yeah, that, that's all I had for, for the wings, Jim. Do you have anyone else you'd consider a wing? Uh, you know, no, I put those as my two wing players. I mean, it's hard to know where uh, Randy Tucker might fit in there a little bit. Uh, you got know, 6'4", he's not quite as big, but, you know, I could see him gain some playing time there as well. But, um, you know, I, I did, for the for the guards, I did a point guard, combo guard, and, you know, shooting guard breakdown. Like, guys that I think that are just shooting guards versus just a point guard or could do a little bit of both. So we can go yeah. by, go through whoever you want next. Yeah, I mean, the guard rotation is going to be it's it's going to be fascinating i think because it's it's so wide open um there's so many position battles you'd think like if this was an nfl training camp for example there'd be like position battles of of who's going to get that starting spot but um there'd be blog material for days if this was yeah no kidding (laughs) but uh i broke it down to uh like ball handlers and then just regular guards so kind of on the same wavelength there but um Kind of curious to, I guess we'll start with the ball handlers. Um, it's kind of like a, a battle between Davin Ziegler and uh, Zay Blake forming, I think. Um, Nate Jenkins also handled the ball a little bit last year. I don't know if that was just out of necessity or um, or what that was, but um, just because he actually shot it pretty well, so maybe he would be better suited to be off the ball. But kind of curious to get your thoughts on Davin Ziegler, the 6'3 guard out of Cleveland, Ohio, or Zay Blake, 6'1 out of Washington, D.C.? Yeah, I'll go Zay Blake first. Uh, I had him as a point guard, and I have him as the kind of only true point guard. Like when you look at his size, 6'1, 165, uh, that he's not big enough to play off the ball, probably, or at least a lot off the ball. And, you know, you look at his shooting percentages uh, from deep, you know, he's uh, not. He's not the best um, three-point shooter, but he's pretty good. And so I look at a guy like that, like what I see as his strength is his quickness. He's very fast, whether it's in the open court or the half court, and he can get in the lane. Like he's the kind of guy that I think is going to be a fantastic playmaker for this team. Uh, The kind of guy that if you're used to playing with people that drive in the lane and never kick it out, and so you stop playing or give up on a play, you're going to have to, you know, break that habit because this is a guy that's going to get in the lane and find people. So whether you're under the hoop for a dump off or you're out on the wing or, you know, out on the perimeter for a three, be ready. Say Blake has the ball, be shot ready because this guy's going to find you and um, he's going to break things down and get, get in the lane. I also think he is a better shooter. When I look at his shooting stroke, it's really, you know, pretty good comes up and down on the same spot, which I like, you know, to see for guys that are, taking jump shots. Um, so he's really good when his feet are set, you know, sometimes for point guards, though, uh, they don't get the luxury of having their feet set all the time. So that's probably what's, um, you know, leading to a little bit lower shooting percentage than I would like. But overall, I have him as a uh, point guard and a guy who's going to play a fair amount at that position. Uh, for Ziegler, this is an explosive dude. Like, this is a guy who can play both spots uh, because he's a little bit bigger at 6'3", and he's got the length, but still super quick. Another guy is going to get in the lane. He's going to find people. Um, I mean, you're talking about a guy in terms of, you know, 
explosiveness. Like there's a, a clip of him. They, they run a uh, back screen alley for him on an inbound play. I mean, like who's running, you know, lob passes to their point guard. We haven't seen that since Keeper Sykes is in town, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Let's, let's see and, that this year, please. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But I like him both handling the ball, but then playing alongside Blake. And so you just have that explosiveness. The thing that I also thought stood out for Ziegler, uh, high effort and, and intensity on defense, you know, denying the ball in the passing lane. And a guy who, if he gets a ball, his hand on the ball, we're going the other way and he is going to finish. So uh, he can create for himself, creates for others, scores at all levels and high energy defensive players. So I really am optimistic for uh, these two guys in particular. What about you, Brian? What are you thinking about these guys? Yeah, I, you know, I, I'll admit I haven't really watch the film as intently as you have that's that's awesome that you're you know full on scouting report but um i tend to lean towards uh ziegler just a little bit more because like you said he's got a little bit more size um he's got some division one experience which um you know i think gotta count for something um but i I do like zay blake as well um like you said he's going to be more of a facilitator um it's going to come down to can can guys knock down shots when when he gets them the ball, you know that because if if this was last year, probably not happening. But uh, it seems like we got some more shooters around around him this year potentially. So um, yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm kind of curious, Jim. I, I know Nate Jenkins isn't a newcomer, but um, just kind of curious where you see him. Do you think he'll be more? combo guard you think they'll have him running the point again this season what what do you think about nate jenkins nate is just a guy that i think is uh do anything you know do anything for you do anything to win i don't think that you know the way he comes across to me is not as a guy who says okay well i have to have the ball in my hand or not as a guy says i have to get 10 shots a game it just strikes me as the kind of guy that's like okay well what do we need to do to win because that's what i want to do and uh so i can see him playing either position i could see him pushing the other players for minutes, you know, the thing for, you know, for the other players, I mean, they, they're definitely more athletic than Nate, but they're not as big and strong probably. So it'll be very interesting to see how these guys work together. But uh, Nate, you know, in my opinion, and again, I'm not around all the time. So it's just, you know, one guy drinking a few bells over on watching YouTube clips and uh, goes <laughs> to a few home games, but um, you know, Nate's a leader. Like I really like Nate. I, I didn't think I would, quite frankly, last year when I got him. I'm like, you know, like, who's this guy? But he did a great job. He's definitely a vocal leader. Dude plays hard. Really like him. And I think he could play with any of these guys. Like, he doesn't have to be one thing or another. Like, there were times last year they had Lucas, uh, Kamari, and Nate in the game at the same time. I mean, there was one time they had all those guys in the game and still turned it over in a, on a full-court press, which just <laughs> killed me. But that's neither here nor there. The point is, he's just going to play. I, you know, where he plays, not sure, but he's going to play. Yeah. Yeah, but and like you said, it probably doesn't matter to him either. So um, so did you have anyone else listed as a like a combo guard besides Ziegler and potentially Nate Jenkins? I did have Ryan Wade in that same uh, same spot. You know, the thing about Ryan Wade, is uh, he's got three years of D1 experience. You have two years of Holy Cross that uh, you know didn't look too bad. Like he started a bunch of games as a freshman, uh, had a positive assist to turnover ratio, scored almost six points a game. Uh, as a sophomore, he started some games but not as many. 
uh, but he did improve his shooting percentages by a fair amount, still had a positive assist to turnover ratio and uh, increased the scoring a little bit, even though his uh, minutes, I think, went down. But then he gets a uh, central mission last year and like basically doesn't play at all. So we really don't know what we have here. But, you know, looking at him, uh, he's rated as a really good defender in terms of defensive metrics that are out there for that kind of thing. Uh, but when I watch his highlight clips and videos that he had available, I just saw a smart player and a, and a good shooter and another guy that just, you know, is going to make winning plays. Uh, he's probably not as explosive as Blake or Ziegler, um, but kind of like has a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a Lucas Steber feel to him. Like just, you know, smart, knows what to do, plays hard, makes the right decisions and, uh, definitely additive. And quite frankly, if this is, if he is walking on and this is the level of walk on the team is getting, that's a really good sign. Like that's a really positive thing that, that they have 12 guys that, you know, are, you know, better or good enough to be on scholarship. And a guy at this level is a walk on. That's a good sign for the program. So I, I did want to give him a little shout out. I'm excited to see what he can bring to the table. I totally agree. I, I was shocked. I mean, I, we should probably, you know, work to confirm that he is actually walking on. But um, if he is, that is a crazy good walk on for a mid-major program. So um, kudos to the staff for that one. Um, so then that leaves two other newcomer guards, um, Garen Davis and Jack Rose. Jim, I know you and I were both big on Jack Rose, but his recruiting was kind of interesting in how um, – you know, towards the end there, I, I, I guess I'm not really sure what why it kind of fell off a little bit, but um, I think Jack Rose is going to be a really good player. Um, you know, shooting, size, athleticism, you know, three or four sport athlete. He was playing in the state baseball tournament between summer practices at UWGB. I'm really excited about Jack Rose. Kind of curious to get your thoughts on him. Yeah, I think, you know, you're looking again at a, another guy who's pretty versatile. I mean, he's he's not going to be a playmaker, but he's versatile in that, like that game against Racine Case, he took the opening tip versus Amari Judkins. So, you know, 6'4 guy taking the opening tip. He did not win it, by the way. But the point was <laughs> that you know, they had taller guys on their roster and they still had him take the opening tip. But when I watched him play, he was just kind of like a heady guy, made the right play. Um, you know, he creates space for himself like he. He can score from the line. He can dribble in a little bit. He can get to the hoop. Like he just, he's not like blowing people away with athleticism, but he's athletic. He's super coordinated and just kind of makes the right play. Does the right things. Um, he's a good shooter, but he needs to be a great shooter. So for him, it's, you know, just, you know, being in good physical shape, having the belief, you know, that's one thing I, I think for some of the guys that, in the past had nice looking shots, but they never went in. I'm not sure that they had the belief in themselves to knock them down. And uh, where Jack Rose, um, you know, in high school, he definitely seemed to have that belief. But when you watch some of the film, there's, you know, some that come up, you know, short or, you know, missed by, miss that looked pretty far off the mark. But overall, his percentages were good. He just has to have that belief that every one of them is going in. But I'm excited about him. And the big thing you look at with that guy is like, okay, now that you're done playing football, volleyball, baseball, and you're just going to focus on basketball, like there's probably a, a significant step up that will happen right away for him just by being only in a D1 basketball mindset. 
Agreed. Yeah, he'll be hitting the weight room and practicing basketball every day instead of, you know, a bunch of other things on his mind. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and then the other one was Garen Davis, a guy I think probably the leader in the clubhouse for a, a starting spot at the at the two guard. But curious to get your thoughts on him, Jim. He's got some D1 experience, shot 38% from behind the arc last year at the junior college level. But, um, yeah, it's kind of curious to get your thoughts on, on Garen Davis and where you see him fitting in with the program. Yeah, you know, the thing about him, I you look at the two years he was at Loyola, Maryland, he didn't play a ton. When he did play, he didn't shoot it particularly well. Gets to the JUCO level and has, a, you know, quite frankly, a, a huge bust-out season for him. Uh, you're talking about a guy with really good size. And I'd say good athlete, but not like, you know, super explosive athlete. When watching his videos, you know, the guy he reminds me of a little bit is Jaquan McLeod, a guy who, you know, just made tons of buckets for the Phoenix and did it in a way where, you know, he wasn't, you know, blowing past people and and uh, getting to the rim. But he was just really good at hunting down his shot, really good at creating separation for his shot. And if you give him any room at all, a shot is going up and he has a good chance to knock it down. The thing about a guy like Garen Davis is like he is oozing with confidence and, uh, you know, shot selection sometimes for those types of guys is the biggest determining factor in success. Because when you can take a, you know, he can hit a step back, he can hit a pull up, he can, you know, catch and shoot and transition. Like a guy like that's got to just, you know, really uh, lock in on what's a good shot. But overall, I think that I agree. This is your starting shooting guard and a guy that I would expect to put up some significant amount of points. And, um, you know, when I give him a Jaquan McLeod comparison, uh, that's the tip of the cap to both players. But, like, I, I really feel like he could be that kind of guy for uh, Green Bay. Yeah, McLeod had a great career at Green Bay. Um, so that would be awesome if he could – you know, no pressure on you, Garen Davis, but uh, <laughs> that would be that would be awesome. Uh, so that's how the roster stands right now, Jim. Anything else to add on, on as far as any newcomers or anybody that we missed? Uh, no, I think we could, we talked about everybody. The only player that we didn't talk about, you know, from a returning standpoint, uh, was Randy Tucker. And uh, you know, Randy, I don't want to sleep on Randy. Like Randy's a guy that did a little bit of everything. And Randy is a guy that got, I mean, he got tons of open looks. He had a hard time knocking him down last year. You see that guy in uh, the practice clips that they put out. I mean, he does not miss. So for him, it's just a matter of game. I think it's just a matter of game confidence, like get the shot, knock it down. I, I just rewatched the, the game at Cleveland state last year. Um, it was right after the winter blizzard and I was at the game. So I didn't, I never actually bothered to watch the video afterwards, but the other day I was bored and I couldn't fall asleep, so I was uh, uh, watching it. And I mean, he had like five wide open threes, and he didn't make any of them, uh, or four that I, excuse me. And I'm not knocking him. I, I just think that he's a guy that when you see the him in practice uh, and the clips they put out, he knocks him down. So he just has to do it. And if he can do that, he does enough other stuff with his you know rebounding and passing and uh, defense that he could be on the court too. Like, I don't want to sleep on Randy. It just... Uh, Got to, got to find a way to put that ball in the bucket, believe in yourself, and knock it down. Yeah, he knows how to pick his spots too. Like there's there's something to be said for getting wide open looks. Um, like I think back to that IEPUI game at home where he was actually knocking him down. 
Um, so it I mean, was great. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a bounce back year from him would be really great for this team, especially with how much they struggled from shooting behind the arc last season. But, um, yeah, I feel like for him, yeah, he started off like 0 for 10 or something like yeah. that from three. And I don't know that he ever really got his like game, game speed comfort level going. Uh, he had some moments that got better, but like, you, 0 for 10 is a tough hole. You, you gotta have a lot. Of, you gotta have balls of steel to come back from that. And uh, I'm not saying he doesn't have that, but just like that's a tough place to start your your college career. But fresh, uh, fresh start in the fall, man. Let's let's see what he can bring. So, yeah. but other than that, you know, I don't uh, know of any other players that are going to join the program in the off season. And uh, we got 14 dudes, and see see what happens. So that's the uh, the roster so far. Um, we'll see if they do go ahead and add anybody else, or if if this is the squad we're taking to, you know, the regular season. Um, but I guess Jim, taking it to Terre Haute. <laughs> what's that? Taking it to Terre Haute. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, we can touch on that. The what we know at least uh, for now of the schedule. Um, they will be starting the season on opening day at Indiana State. Uh, whether now whether that's Monday the seventh or Tuesday the eighth, I guess that's still up in the air. But um, either way, opening day they'll be at Indiana State. Um, they're going to be in the Jamaica Classic. Sounds like you're going to be heading down to Jamaica, Jim. Um, I am. Oh, yeah, I mean, very cool. if you know me at all, that was never in doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who they get. Uh, at least here in the U.S., they'll be playing a road game at either. Uh, so Wake Forest is out. They're playing Utah Valley, but it'll either be uh, Georgetown, LaSalle, or Loyola Marymount. So we'll see. Interesting to see where they get put for that one. Any preference for for you, Jim? Obviously, probably don't want to play Georgetown just to you know not play at a high major. But um, just kind of curious if you have a preference on they're facing yeah LaSalle for sure I mean I believe that LaSalle is uh, coming off a head coaching change just uh, has been struggling in the Atlantic 10 for a couple of years and if there's a winnable game out of those uh, that's probably it and if you're a basketball traveling fan type uh, then it's Loyola Marymount like you know LA in November probably doesn't seem that bad <laughs> yeah for sure yeah and as a reminder um Things usually get announced minutes after we finish recording, so um, we'll see if if uh, those matchups leak in the near future here. But um, while they're in Jamaica, Jim, you'll be seeing them play either uh, either I should say either Queens, Utah Valley, or Morgan State. Morgan State, yes, very very forgettable Morgan State. <laughs> now watch them beat Green Bay by thirty, but. Uh, yeah. Very winnable slate of games there, though, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, the last time I saw Green Bay play, play Morgan State, though, it was coming off the heels of losing to Rollins College. Uh, so yeah. let's just say that I hope I don't see anything like that ever again. Um, but yeah, the, you know, Utah Valley is actually pretty good. They have really good size. They get a lot of D1 transfers. They've got the Mad Dog. Mark Madsen is their head coach. And prior to that, they had Mark Pope, who's now at BYU. So they've got a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of a major cachet going as a program. Queens is obviously, he has a new coach. Their former coach is coaching some crappy team out of Milwaukee now. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, 
they're in their first year in D1, but they've been pretty good in D2. But, uh, you know, hopefully that's the kind of team you can beat. And Morgan State is, um, you know, coming out of the MIAC and hasn't been as relevant lately in the last couple of years, at least that I recall. Um, so, yeah, I think there's some wins to be had. If there's a, if they're not winning games down there, though, man, that is going to be a a long flight home for me. I'm going to be, you know, smuggling some red stripes on the plane if they don't if they don't yeah. uh, win. Yeah, at least you'll be at an inclusive resort, right? You can drink the sorrows away, unlike St. Pete last year. So that'll help. <laughs> well, keep in mind, I am bringing my five and seven year old children with me, so I won't be drinking too much away. <laughs> Fair enough. So I guess the, the guys better get some wins then for for your sake, for your family's sake. Um, so then after that, uh, the Green Bay is going to be hosting UMKC, a return game from last year. Green Bay had went to Kansas City last year and pretty much got shellacked. So, um, but that's another team coming off a, a coaching change. So uh, in my mind, a winnable game at home. And then uh, St. Thomas coming to Green Bay as well. I, I'm a fan of this. I think um, it makes sense to to start a series with them, a four-year deal, so that we'll we'll see them two times here in Green Bay, and Green Bay will go to the Twin Cities twice as part of that deal. Um, so that leaves, you know, some more spots to fill, Jim. It sounds like what is that? Five games left to fill. You can probably pencil in three of them as high major buy games, your, your least favorite words on the planet. And then after that, two more, maybe another home and home with the mid major, but probably at least one non-division one. I'm just guessing here. I'm not sure, but um, you know, just based on how things have gone in the recent past, I'm guessing that's what the rest of the schedule will look like. Well, if uh, high major buy game is my least favorite words in the planet, my second least favorite are non-D1 home games. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I I always kid around about it. I'm a broken record on this, but, you know, it's harder to do because of finances. I get it. But play D1s, play teams you can beat. Don't take money. If If you are... You know, not paying for the product, you are the product. And if you get paid to play, you're getting paid to get beat. So stay away from that and play at the rush. It's as simple as that. <laughs> like, this is the formula. I don't care what anybody tells me. I'm going to be pigheaded about this for the rest of my life. Uh, that is what we need to be getting to. If we are not striving to get to that, then we are not striving to be as successful as we could and should be. Anything less than that on the scheduling front is, you know, trying to throw the you know fourth quarter last play 75 yard downfield touchdown when you're down you know down eight and you need a two-pointer then to uh you know tie the game like you know there is a reason that some mid-majors are better than others there and scheduling is probably the most significant in that and um you know you want to build fan interest you cannot have a four and seven you know, non-conference or something of that nature. You got to win games, and part of winning games is play teams you can beat. Simple as that. So, um, yeah, I don't know what the schedule holds, but I'm just hopeful that it is, um, you know, improved from a financial standpoint. And quite frankly, uh, my other real big ask in this uh, particular off season is to not play the Badgers. Uh, we're been beaten by the Badgers 
by 40 points the last two times that Green Bay has played them in Madison. And then they have stolen our starting point guard. So if there's ever a reason, I don't, by the way, I can't say that as a hundred percent fact. I'm just, you know, blown <laughs> smoke when I say that, but you know, they have our starting point guard that, that, that part is not in doubt. And so, uh, just, I don't want to play the Badgers. So those are my ask on the scheduling front. Yeah, I agree. Um, play Marquette instead or something. Um, but we'll see. So I guess circling back to the roster real quick, Jim, um, you know, even in this transfer portal era, um, you know, the, the staff showed they were not afraid to put a red shirt on the guy last year with Braden Daly, you know, even though he definitely would have been able to help the team last year. So I'm just kind of curious if you see them red shirting anybody this year, especially if they're going to have 15 or 16 guys, um, you know, I think maybe maybe a guy like Mari Judkins or Jack Rose would be potential candidates. But then again, I think I, I see them as potentially contributing right away this year. So just kind of curious if you think a red shirt for anybody would be on the cards this season. So I have a little theory about red shirting players. Uh, do not red shirt them other than in their freshman year. Um, if by the time they're in their second year in the program and they're not just absolutely dying to play basketball, they are not going to finish their career with your program. And I say that because I've seen a number of guys through the years, whether it's Green Bay or other programs, like play a year and then think, okay, I'll take a development year and get better. And uh, it's like, you know, weird stuff happens to them in that time period. They're not entirely focused on basketball or the rhythm of the traveling and all that stuff. And so I just, if you're going to do it, that Jedkins or Rose would be the guys. But I actually think those are guys that can play and make an impact in, at some level. And something else I, you know, really come to believe with the program is that, you know, like stuff happens. People, you know, get hurt. People drop out. Like we don't live in a world anymore where, you know, guys are like, okay, well, I'm going to finish out the year and then I'm going to, you know, leave. Like, you know, people just stop playing. I mean, Green Bay had two dudes leave at the semester break uh, last year. And so, I would just be be ready for anything. And, uh, you know, part of recruiting, improving recruiting is to get guys who can come in and make an impact right away and, uh, you know, can be competitive right away. And and um, I'd just say, let, let's figure it out, like put them all out there and let's figure it out. So I I'd prefer to let them all play uh, in along the same lines. It's also why I don't really necessarily think that they need to have 12 scholarship guy or 13 scholarship guys like you know, pre-transfer portal, portal, Eric Musselman, when he was at Nevada, he was like, I need eight guys. And then I have four guys sitting out from, you know, transfers because they weren't eligible. But his philosophy was then everybody's happy because the guys who are sitting out know they can't play. And, the you know, or that he wasn't even using all scholarships because then he didn't have 13 people wanting to play. Um, so I think having 12 scholarship guys is actually better for, like getting everybody some opportunity, you know, they're going to play nine or 10 guys anyway. And some of the last, the last two guys, you know, in that rotation are probably going to rotate in and out of the rotation. It's not like, it's not like the ninth guy is about that much better than the 12th guy in the program. So I, I just say play them all, not in every game, but just play them all. <laughs> yep. I love it. All right. So last topic here, Jim, um, not looking to make any predictions yet, first of all, because we didn't do very good last year, but um, it's also really early. Like there's most of the teams in the league don't even have rosters set at this point. Um, 
So not looking to make predictions, but just kind of curious your expectations for this team next season. Like, obviously, you know, it, I don't, I don't want to say it couldn't go worse because it could always be worse. Look at IUPUI. But, like, are you expecting, you know, like 500? Are you expecting just better than last season or just kind of curious to see what your expectation is at heading into this season? Well, I, I have um, two expectations for this season and none of them are, neither of them are related to record. Cause I figure we'll go through that stuff in the fall and, and uh, have plenty of time to you know talk about that as people's preseason predictions are coming out. But I have two things that I could look at with this team right now on June 27th and say, these are the things that have to happen this year. And uh, number one with the bullet is win close games. Uh, in Will Ryan's first year, I believe they lost eight games by seven or less. And then last year, they lost, I believe, another eight games by seven points or less. You have added guys like Zay Blake, who's going to be in his third year of college basketball. Uh, Ziegler is going to be in his fourth year of college basketball. Garen Davis in his fourth year of college basketball. Clarence Cummings in his fourth year of college basketball. You bring back guys like Braden Daly and Cade Meyer. Um, you know, you have Nate Jenkins in his fourth year of college basketball. Uh, it is time to win close games. So you have more experienced players as time to win close games. That's number one expectation because they have gotten the roster older. Uh, it is time to say, okay, well, older and wiser, let's, let's, you know, win some close games. My other thing that I expect to see in is just start to finish from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. And from the opening tip to the final horn of all 31 or 32 games that they're minimum that they're going to play care a deep burning desire to win and, and really care about that. Like, I don't want to see no rolling eyes because we're down eight points. And Oh, here we go again. I don't want to see guys getting all pissed off because they get subbed out for making a mistake. I don't want to see guys, you know, uh, just, you know, say, okay, well I'll get it next time or whatever. Like this is about deep burning care <laughs> about, you know, really, really, like being ingrained in we we've got a good thing and we can win these games and not just like, oh, okay, it doesn't matter. Or we're young or we're this or we're that. Like, I just want to see guys care from, you know, for all 40 minutes for all 32 games. So that's, those are my two expectations for this season. Those are perfect. Yeah. For me, I, I got a little more specific. I, I, I'm expecting, um, you know, more efficient offense. I think, you know, we don't really, there's a whole lot of unknowns with this roster for sure. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of Juco guys coming in that don't have any D1 experience, but like you said, there is a lot of D1 experience. So, um, but I think about like, you have Donovan Short, who's going to be, you know, pretty much replacing Japana Kellogg. And, and I, I love Japana Kellogg, but I think about the way that Short is going to be able to spread the floor. He's going to be able to, to open things up. Um, you know, everyone on the floor basically now will be able to shoot from the outside. And, you know, that's that's meaningless if you can't make the shots. But if, if they're hitting shots, that, that makes everything better. So, you know, I'm expecting more efficient offense, better shooting, just overall being better. You can't you can't win five games again. That that that's tough. But um, yeah, just just be better. So we'll see 
how it goes. Um, like we mentioned earlier, the, the roster is completely turned over, so there's no more excuses for, you know, these are Link Darners players, these aren't system players, blah, 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 um, what have you. These are all been recruited to this system. They all, you know, we'll see how they all fit and, and uh, really looking forward to, to getting the season started. Um, but with that, Jim, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Yep, I have one last thing, as always. Um, this is not related to the new players. By the way, welcome to each and every one of you. Uh, this is not related to the new director of basketball operations. Uh, welcome to you, too. This is related to something business-related for the program. And that is coming up in uh, – we're recording this on Monday. So it's coming up in three weeks. They have their golf outing. And uh, a couple things about that. One, it is a fantastic way to – Meet some of the players, meet some of the coaches, meet some of the administrative staff. So if you aren't playing, figure out a way to play. Um, meet some podcast I, hosts too, right? And I was going to say, I believe <laughs> there are two super fans that are still looking for an additional player or two in their foursome, that being Mr. Fear the Phoenix himself and Mr. Phoenix Rising 9. So if you would love to play a round of golf, but uh, you know, want to be with some Phoenix fans on, was it the 18th of July, something like that? That's right, Monday the 18th. Yep, at Wander Springs. Uh, Reach out to Brian because I believe we still need to fill a couple people in that foursome. And for those that don't want to golf but would still like to be involved, you can sponsor a hole. You can sponsor an athlete's dinner. There's just different ways to get involved. And, you know, as a uh, fan of the program, I you know, can tell you that these are the type of events that have, you know, led me to be even more deeply passionate about what's going on because I get to know the people personally and, um, and I would encourage anybody to, you know, come and participate. And these are also the kind of things that, you know, this, this is a fundraiser. It is a money-making event for the program. And when I harp on things like scheduling or other things, that's those are financially driven decisions. So um, if you deeply care about the program, if it insults you when UWM fans rip on us on their message board and talk about how we're a dumpster fire and everything else, if that bothers you, then you got to do something about it. So the golf outing is the next opportunity to do that. And I would love anybody who'd like to get involved to take the opportunity to get involved. And uh, if you don't know anybody, that's okay. We'll introduce you to people. So um, that's my last little thing, Brian. I love it. Well said. Yeah, we're looking for uh, for two more for, for our foursome, myself and uh, Phoenix Rising 9. Neither of us are the best at golf uh so it's just gonna be a fun day outside having some beers playing some golf so i'm um, really looking forward to it but brian um, i understand that um you like your golf game like you like your recruiting which is a uh, spray and pray right that's exactly right <laughs> <laughs> yeah well said uh i said it earlier um i only count you know i don't count score i count how many golf balls i lose so um but it would be a good time but uh so that'll do it for this episode of the fear the phoenix podcast thank you guys all so much for listening jim thanks for your your time and your insight it was great chatting with you as always see you in a few weeks um but yeah that'll do it make sure you follow jim on twitter at jim Cero. go ahead and give me a follow at brian dickman and of course make sure you're following at fear the phoenix um and yeah that'll do it we'll talk to you again soon 